often say babies aren't born with a manual, but we thought, why not create one? Why not make a podcast that's the go-to guide for parents when they come unstuck? This is The Parent Manual, a babyology podcast where experts in breastfeeding, sleeping, toddler behaviour and nutrition answer your specific questions. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. You can ask your question on questions on Babyology's Facebook Live every Thursday at 12pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time, and we'll include links in the notes of this episode. Today, we're talking about sleep challenges with toddlers and preschoolers. Our expert is registered nurse and certified sleep consultant, Hannah Wallace, from Babyology's online expert portal, Parent School. If you have a question for Hannah, post it in the comments of this Facebook Live and we'll get to as many as we can. Hi, Hannah, how are you? Good morning. Good, how are you? Good, thank you. It's funny, isn't it? We have our little babies and then we think once they get through, you know, that tough first year that they're going to sleep like angels and it's Mm. not always the case, is it? It's not the case. I think we have this little idea in our mind you know, get through the first year, get through toddlerhood, and then, you know, they'll be so tired because they'll be at kindy and they'll want to sleep all night. And you know, <laughs> Not the case. Um, and it's a lot, um, it's a lot more emotional dealing with sleep issues with an older child because they're actually yelling at you. Um, it feels <laughs> quite personal. <laughs> they can speak um, so to it's you. quite different. Yeah, it's very different to, to baby sleep issues. Very different. All right. Well, let's get cracking because we've got some questions here. But as I mentioned, if you're watching us live via Facebook, please feel free to put your questions um, below this video for Hannah. This question comes from Emily in Melbourne. She says, my three-year-old has suddenly stopped going to sleep at 7.30, 8 p.m. and it's more like 9, 9.30. Not fun when the eight-month-old is still waking twice a night. He hasn't napped properly for over a year, but he mostly sleeps through the night. Or if he does wake, he settles back to sleep, either with tucking in or popping into our bed for a cuddle. He wakes at 7am, which hasn't changed, and his bedtime routine hasn't changed either. But we have moved his sister into his room in the last couple of months. This didn't align with his sleep when his sleeping went off, though. He was fine with it up until now. His eating has become pickier. He's suddenly increasing, increasingly throwing tantrums and has also just toilet trained day and night. <laughs> Is this a phase or should I do something more about this late bedtime? I presume waking him up earlier in the mornings is really my only option, but is there something else I should try? And that's from Emily. Great. Busy little boy. He's got a lot going on. Um, So definitely don't wake him up earlier in the morning. Seven o'clock is amazing I think you just keep it if that's the <laughs> yes. don't don't mess with that um I think he sounds really overtired especially because it's kind of lined up with when he started having all these tantrums and things like that so um I'd be bringing his bedtime right forward in the morning uh, in the evening to like 6 or 6 30 if that's what you need to get on top of that overtiredness if he's sort of going off at his sleep from sort of 7 30 that's a big long day for him so um I'm not surprised he's sort of a bit you know, going off the Richter and not falling asleep till late. So bring it right forward, start trying to pop him to bed at six o'clock, especially knowing that there's going to be a bit of a battle at the moment. So you're giving yourself the very biggest window of getting him down on time. Um, And just consistency with this age, he's got a lot of changes. He's got the the new sibling, he's got toilet training. Um, Pick what you, how you're sort of going about the settle um, and just really stick with it. So whether that be um, comforting him um, with patting and shushing or you're gradually moving out of the room or if you're sticking to putting him in and walking out, 
um, just be just be consistent for him. And I would actually just split them up for a week or two. So put Bubs back in your room or in a spare room, just while you get on top of his overtiredness and his bedtime battles, and then you can merge them back again. But don't wake him up in the morning. No, no, stay <laughs> Not seven. <before> seven. <laughs> yeah, stay um, seven. I always find it interesting. It's taken me a while to get my head around this. Uh, I'm a slow learner, but the idea that when it's hard to put a child to bed, that actually bringing forward their bedtime can help. Yeah. You mentioned the window, but sometimes they just they just need to go to bed earlier, and they can fall yeah. asleep without a battle. Yeah, it's really it's a funny thing, and um, it's the biggest sleep myth that the more tired a child is, the better they'll sleep. It's just not the case. When kids have been awake for too long, they have this huge surge of adrenaline, cortisol, basically to cope with being tired. And so when kids have gone too far this way, they've got all these hormones that have gone up like this. And then we try to put them to bed and things are just going like this. So (laughs) what we want is things to go like this. And um, so, yeah, so you pop your bub to bed and they just can't quite get into that relaxed state it's like if we've had like a really exciting event or a surge of adrenaline or been for a big jog before bed we wouldn't feel like going to sleep right away either and it's quite similar and it's why you see kids at that time of night witching hour we call it absolutely bouncing off the walls going feral and you go oh my god they're so tired it's that adrenaline that's just going so yeah Oh, that's I can imagine Emily's behind, like, yeah. Emily's probably oh. going, yes, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like him. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so well, I, I think over the tiredness. Yeah. yeah. The next question comes from Katerina on our Facebook Live. She says, my two and a half year old has been a difficult sleeper for longer than a year. Lately, despite trying different bedtimes, she screams she doesn't want to go to sleep or that she wants to go in the car for a ride or other excuses. <laughs> That'd be fun at seven o'clock at night. I don't know if she needs a bigger bed. I'm afraid she'll leave the bed straight away. Hubby and I are tired and need solutions. Thanks. Um, she probably doesn't need a bigger bed. I so often see the the transition to big bed happen around this age as a sort of a means to dealing with some sleep issues. But if there's no um, safety reason to move a toddler out of a cot, like so, for example, if they're not they're not climbing out, then going to a bed will resolve nothing. Um, this sounds more like a timing issue. So. Um, if this little girl is napping, so two and a half, I think yes. you said. Yeah. So um, the nap should be about an hour max. Um, if they are having a nap, it wouldn't be out of the question if you really are struggling with bedtime to drop the nap and see what happens for a little while um, just to get them, you know, sort of that enough sleep drive that she'll fall asleep and kind of break that habit of this sort of going in the car and suggesting X, Y, Z. Um, but yeah, if she's napping capital at one hour for sure, it's quite common with this age group. We're still holding on to that two, two and a half hour nap <laughs> and then bedtimes are getting later and people are driving around in cars and it, it really is just a timing thing. Yeah. The next one comes from Ruth on Facebook. She says, my four-year-old won't go to sleep unless I sit there and rub her back. When she goes to sleep, I sneak out. How can I get her to bed and be able to walk out without her crying? And she doesn't sleep in my bed through the night. She doesn't sleep in her bed through the night. She wakes up at 2 a.m. and comes to my bed. 
Yeah. Reese, my nine-year-old still does that. <laughs> Very common. <laughs> I, I never asked yeah. Hannah for help, though, to be honest. No, and this isn't a problem unless it's a problem. A lot of people still help their um, children to sleep and then help them back to sleep, and that's fine. But if it is an issue for you, what you'll need to do is focus on um, edging back to that self-settling at the start of bedtime, so getting her eventually to a point where she does it herself, which will then lead to her being able to resettle herself. Because what's happening is we trick kids into going to sleep with our presence, um, back rubs, all that sort of stuff she's just going into a natural light sleep state which is we all do in and out all night and going hang on mum was just here she doesn't know what time it is or how much time's passed she's just startled that you're no longer there and then she comes looking for you so you'd have to work on yourself settling um and I think with the with quite a bit of input with laying with her and patting her I'd go quite gradually with her because it would be a bit of a shock to just pop her in and say I'm not coming back anymore um so just start off really slow bit by bit you can move as slowly towards the door as you like but every night just progress a little bit further until you're eventually out in the hallway um and eventually you know out of the room that's that's the aim but move slowly with her because she doesn't know any different so and how do you feel I know one of the tricks I tried to use um as you can tell it didn't 100% work but um it did get them um sleeping without me being there all the time was that I'd say something like oh I have to do the washing up or and and then I'd duck back in is that a technique yeah um the only thing with that is that they're still going to be holding on for you to come back and they're very clever the older they get this might work with like a um a two-year-old like that could be something and it just relaxes them enough to go to sleep and fall asleep on their own because they they know you're not far away I think that's kind of the the beauty of it is that they just know you're in the kitchen or whatever you're doing Mm. um as they get older though they will either wait for you to come back and their stamina's are very long or (laughs) they'll fall asleep stir realize that you haven't come back and that will be really upsetting for them as well so you've got a whole new set of issues so I say just mostly be honest with this age group just say mummy's going to have I I tell my kids I'm going to bed at 6 30 um sometimes I do (laughs) at 6 30 but I I don't ever tell them I'm coming back because they will hold me to that and whether it be five minutes later or at two o'clock in the morning they'll check where you've gone (laughs) So, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this question comes from Margot in Melbourne. She says, I have a four-year-old super early riser, 5.30 a.m., and since starting preschool at the beginning of the year, he was previously home with me, he is so tired in the afternoon, mm. afternoons and often wants to nap while he gets home when he gets home at 3.30. We battle through until 7 or 7.30 because otherwise he will be up till 10.00 with that disaster nap time. I know he want, he would be way less tired if he woke just an hour earlier, but nothing mm. I do seems to work. Any tips? Yeah, so definitely push on without the nap, which it sounds like you're sort of mostly doing when we don't want 3.30 naps. That's just a disaster in itself. Um, so if you need to sort of stagger your afternoon or get really organised with things like dinner and bath and stuff so that you can aim for a really early bedtime for a little while, that's what I would be doing. Early wakes are almost always linked to overtiredness. It, again, comes back to this um, surge of adrenaline and cortisol. Um, it can affect the mornings as well. So I would definitely be um, getting this little one home, getting through dinner, bath, and don't be afraid to, to start popping them down at quarter to six if you have to just to get on top of things and that and it won't happen straight away early mornings take a little while to fix but once um you know your child's going down at a proper hour not as overtired you'll find the mornings will start to catch up that sounds brilliant yeah yeah it does (laughs) 
This is from Dylan in Tamworth. He says, my wife is pregnant with our third child and I work long hours. So we're both exhausted by the time we fall into bed. At some stage of the night, both our three and five-year-old end up in bed with us. And while we used to be really good at resettling them in their own beds, we've got into a habit of letting them sleep with us. No one gets a good sleep and it's killing us. Tell me there is a way to stop this from happening that won't take months of more broken sleep. Yeah. So um, this age group, you could do baby gates on their door. It's so that you're not locking them in, which you wouldn't do for safety reasons or closing doors in people's faces. It's just that physical barrier of them actually not being able to come out of their room in the night because really you don't really want a three and a five-year-old being able to walk around the house at all hours anyway. Um, So I'd get baby gates, get them really involved in the baby gate. It's their special gate to protect their room from, you know, the sibling or whatever. Um, The new baby's always a good one. I always say, (laughs) oh, you know, this is your big boy gate so that, you know, the baby can't come into your room and they don't feel like they're being punished or or locked in so um yeah get that happening and then when they do wake up they'll for a few nights they'll come to the gate and carry on all that sort of stuff and then you can sort of go about your reset all um as you like whether that be popping them back in over and over um leaving them to it for a little bit it's totally dependent on your parenting style but baby gates all the way for that age group (laughs) and how long should you sort of allow like your expectations how long should you sort of say this might take x amount of time Um, it depends how consistent you are. If you do, you know, really well at the start of the night and you do a really good reset all, but then at three o'clock you're just so tired and you regress again and they're in bed with you, you're never going to actually really move forward. But if you dedicate, um, you know, a good few nights, so I usually say start on a Friday when everyone's not having to get up for work <laughs> on a Saturday, um, you should be able to bang it out with this age group in a few nights. They're pretty, they're good. They get it quickly. It's it's a it's bigger in the fact that they will stay awake for longer and fight you on it, but they'll also get it very quickly. They get bored. It's not exciting to go and stand at a gate for an hour in the night, and they will they will very quickly realise that they just should stay in bed. Yeah, nice. Yeah. This one comes from Annie in Armadale. She says, our three-and-a-half-year-old has recently started having night terrors. It's horrible to watch, and she seems to be inconsolable for 15 minutes or so once she's having them. What can I do to help, and how long will this last? Yeah. Um, it's really normal night terrors. They're awful. They're really scary. Even with all my sleep experience, it's still really, I find it, um, it really upsets me in the night it's awful and you 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 go about things in a way that you wouldn't normally do if it was just a random wake up and you know some kind of um you know stirring so I do find that night terrors are more common when children are overtired um so I find if they're going through um you know big progressions like starting school or starting kindy or they've had a lot going on in the day they're more prone to have night terrors in the night um so kind of just getting on top of overtiredness if there's any inkling that they're sort of doing a bit too much or they just need a bit of downtime in the day and or you need to put some more emphasis onto their bedtime routine at night calm big wind down period that can really help if they are having night terrors the best thing to do is to comfort them I wouldn't leave a child having a night terror because it is actually quite very very scary for them and and it's a night terror for a reason um so I always just say go in be calm if we start running around like a headless chook and um turning lights on to shock them out of it and dad then runs in and then someone's like it's it gets it's just adding to the adrenaline of the situation so I always say just calm hold them just say it's all right mummy's here you're just having a dream 
wake up a little bit and it will run its course. But the worst thing we can do, I went through a phase with mine where I was um, turning the lights on and trying to shock them out of the night terror. And that'll just confuse them more. Imagine if you woke up like that, you'd be like, oh my gosh, Mm. just comfort them, touch them, speak to them softly, quietly, um, and just sit with them until it rides itself out. And you'll actually mostly find that they just drop off and fall back asleep it's like it never happened and they don't remember them in the morning um Mm. so there's no need to try and yank them out of it and um bring them back to a sleep state just let it run its course and did your kids grow out of it or yeah mine are pretty good I haven't had um They've had the odd night terror, but they've had it when I know that, like, for example, my five-year-old's just started school. So the first couple of weeks he was having night terrors. I knew that it was going to happen. I know he's quite sensitive to being overtired. So um, we've been lucky in the fact that it has. they haven't had huge phases of it, but I've certainly experienced it. And, yes, okay. they did pass on from that phase, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. This yeah. next question comes from Francesca, Francesca sorry, in Perth. I know it's time to transition master two and a half into a big boy bed so he can basically, as he can basically somersault out of his cot. But after a rocky <laughs> newborn phase and an even worse infant stage, I feel like we finally got his sleep on track about a year ago. I'm seriously panicking about going through it all again with the big boy bed. What can I do to make the transition easy without ruining all of our sleep forevermore? Yep. Good question. So, um, if your little boy is in the cot in a sleeping bag and can jump out, then you have to change to a, a bed. But if you've if you've not got a sleeping bag, um, try that to keep him in there. Keep him in as long as you can. It's close to three years old as possible. You could get another six months here if you can figure out a way to get him in like a snug sleeping bag so that his leg can't get up over the side. If he can climb out or somersault out whilst wearing a sleeping bag, you do need to go to a big boy bed for safety reasons. So what we do in that case is we basically treat the room like a giant cot. So that's the beauty of our baby gates again. Um, baby gate on the door, take away anything dangerous, obviously, anything too overstimulating. You don't want, that's not, it's 2am is not a time for your baby to be playing on a drum kit or something in their bedroom. <laughs> so just keep it really, you're basically literally treating it like a giant cot. I'm not saying you need to keep it bare like a jail cell, but take away anything that's going to kind of rouse them at bedtime or keep them too entertained. Um, and you treat your settles exactly as you would if, they'll come to the gate and you treat the settle exactly as you would if your baby was at the cot side crying too. So whatever, whatever your settling or resettling method is, continue it just with the gate. Yeah. Yeah. There's gates that you need to invest. In. The best things in the world. <laughs> I knew, we'd had gates for ages. And then of course my kids are older, so we got rid of yeah. them, but then we had yeah. to buy some more when we got a dog. Yes. Yes. So they work for everybody. It's they do. Family, so don't throw them out. It's a family they, function. Yeah. Invest, keep them on board. You yeah. never know. There's a real market actually, if there's any entrepreneurs out there, there's a market for tall baby gates that children physically can't climb over because they do like get to a gates. phase. They'll, they'll get to a stage where they can actually get over. I had the little boy who was two actually, which is terrifying, and he could climb over this standardised gate. And I'm like, it's such a simple thing that we someone's got to build a gate that can Just really get up there yeah or a cot that has a huge um, <laughs> I don't know why that's not a thing <laughs> it should be a cot that's how do you get like a, over it then <laughs> I, I was, that's a that's where the entrepreneur comes in I don't know but I want one <laughs> okay well she's throwing it out there people it's a challenge come back you heard to it here first yeah I want a cart <laughs> <laughs> this question comes from Ali in Melbourne I have a three-year-old who still has a daytime nap. I feel like we should drop it to make bedtimes easier. But on the days he misses his nap, he is truly feral. How should I do it? Should I wait until he naturally drops it? 
Um, I'd go for it, drop the nap, um, kind of put up with the feralness. It's horrible. It's the worst. They're so cranky and then they don't eat their dinner and then bath time's a disaster and it is a, a really bad phase, but you just have to push through. Um, it's like babies with dropping naps and things. It's not a fun few days. You are pushing, 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 trying to hold their attention, trying to keep them distracted from tantruming. Um, but if you just really persevere, they actually turn the corner pretty quickly. Their body clocks do adjust. It's when we kind of get stuck in this you know, nap here, not nap here, one day they have it, one day they don't, that's where the, the feralness comes into the days when they don't. So I would just press on with no nap um, and a really early bedtime. Toddlers dropping their naps, don't be afraid to do like a 5.45 bedtime if that's yeah. what you need to get on top of that. Yeah, and then you can have the time back that I you know. lost from their day nap. It's lovely. I know, and I always watch the news. I know. I, people are always so sad about losing day naps and it's really hard, but you could be sitting down watching Netflix by 6 p.m. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> and you'll thank me then. <laughs> what a fantasy. Yeah. Um, only parents understand how hard it is to get in front of a television oh, uh, anywhere if- between five and nine. Totally. And no mum is going to sit in front of Netflix at 6pm. She's going to look around and go, okay, now I've got to do the washing and the cleaning up and organise for tomorrow's rushed bedtime because he's going to be feral. Oh, yeah. God, yes. That's <laughs> but so it's a nice true. idea. <laughs> <laughs> this question comes from Hannah in Sydney. She says, I'm a first-time mum and my daughter is 16 months old. I was blessed with one of those unicorn babies, or so I thought, until about a month ago when her usual easy bedtime routine, routine seemed to go completely out the window. In spite of doing the same process, bath, bottle, dummy in, then bed, she doesn't seem to want to go down and fight sleep for up to an hour or two each night. Her daytime nap is from about 10.30 until 12.30 or 1pm. And I'm wondering if I need to adjust the timing of this. Yep, you definitely need to adjust the timing of that nap. So this is really common with this age group when that she's probably recently gone from two naps to one nap and you get stuck in this limbo of a mid-morning till sort of lunchtime. You're getting your two hours, but it's early on in the day. So then they've got this huge awake window from 12.30 or 1 till, you know, 7 p.m., which is a lot. Again, coming back to these adrenaline cortisol hormones going up and then bedtime just becomes an absolute nightmare. So um, what you'll need to do with this little one is just push your nap back a little bit further into the day. So um, if 10.30 is a standard at the moment, day one, do 11, and then day two, do 11.15, day three, do 11.30 until she's stretching, stretching. And ideally you'd want like 12.30 to 2.30, maybe 12.15 to 2.30, and then 6.37 bedtime so that you're little awake window in the evenings like four four and a half hours and I guarantee your bedtime will be a lot smoother this is so common with that age group I, I knew before you'd even finished that she was going to say this lady that um that her uh, toddler was napping in the morning like yeah 30 ish yeah yeah there really you go common. well hopefully that helps other people too if that's yeah that's really common I hear it all the time wow well uh yeah. Hannah thank you so much for all that for incredible advice And thank you. It was a pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, If you didn't get your question in, you can book a one-on-one session with Hannah through the Babyology Parent School. We'll have links in the notes of this episode where you can find her. And we'll be back next week with another expert talking about ideal sleep practices for babies. So see you later. See you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.